Well, welcome back to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today from the greater Toronto area, we have Jas Thakar. Uh, he's a real estate investor. He's been doing that for many, many years. And uh, he also wrote a book called Real Estate Intelligence. And uh, he has his own podcast called Jas Thakar Podcast. And uh, so I'm very happy to have him on the show today. Jazz, welcome. Thanks for having me, Eric. And uh First and foremost, before we get started, I wanted to just uh, give you kudos and a big congratulations uh, as a fellow content creator. I know how tough it is to book guests, uh, uh, make do the recording, send it out, distribute it, put yourself out there. And, and we need, especially at this time of the recording, we need more positivity out there. And so, I mean, I'm not saying anything new to your listeners and your viewers, but I just wanted to take this time to thank yeah. you for putting yourself out there. Um, because as I mentioned, we need more people like you and we need, we need, we need more positivity because it's the virus that I like putting out. Yeah. There as well. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I like that. That's the virus that you like. Well, Jazz, tell us a little bit about your story. I mean, I, as you know, as we talked about, I, I mean, I was uh, born in Quebec and Canada as well. And, uh, you know, I lived in Toronto for, for 10 to 15 years. That's where my kids were born. And uh, we moved to California in 2000. So we have some kind of some sort of kinship already. Uh, so that's why if our listeners are looking in your backdrop, you're going to see some uh, some maple leaves and some uh, <laughs> all kinds of Canadian paraphernalia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, born and raised here in Canada. I always say that I truly, truly won the lottery the, 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 the day that uh, obviously I was born um, because my parents, <laughs> my parents decided to come to Canada uh, about eight, nine years before I was born. So I was born in early 80s. Um, and my parents came here um, kind of in the early to mid 70s. Um, and, and, and wow, do I just love this country. So, so blessed to be born here and specifically this city in Toronto. Um, and, and for any of your viewers and listeners that don't know this city, it, it just happens to be one of the most multicultural, um, if not like the most multicultural city in the world, definitely in the top top two or top three. I mean, if you want to get um, uh, German food, uh, you want to get Dutch food and Somalian food, like there's a little of everything in our city. And, 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 and that for me was huge because I, growing up in middle school and high school, all my friends were from different backgrounds. And so it gave me, it gave me a taste like literally, as you can tell, literally, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I like to eat. Um, and, and however, but just understanding other cultures, getting myself out there, feeling comfortable in meeting people yeah. that were different. Right. Um, and so that always helped me. And, and I guess in a funny way, it spurred on what was already in my DNA, which was this, this ability to this ability as a salesman, um, mm -hmm. I always had the salesmanship, right? As a as a five year old, six year old, um, uh, uh, putting up my hand really early, uh, probably closer to say seven or eight years old, uh, helping the teachers with a bake sale, book sale, knocking door to door for Christmas ornaments. Not that my family and I celebrated Christmas that that deep at that time, but I just wanted to like meet people. I was all yeah. about that. I always wanted to do that. And then my first paying job ever was with a newspaper route. And I was hooked. I was yeah. like, it was like, it was like crack to me that, that, um, 
you get to do what you like to do and somebody pays you. Like it was a real mind, like, it, like I didn't understand it. I was like, wow, like all I did was knock on doors, ask for people if they want to subscribe to the Toronto Star. I mean, you obviously know the, 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 yep. one of the main newspapers here in Toronto and I got paid for it. And so I did that for a couple of years, if not maybe for about three years. Then I got into a co-op uh, program in high school where mm-hmm. that really was a massive change for me because I worked in the footwear department, not, not the Al Bundy type of footwear. If anybody knows that reference from married with children, it was more. I'm surprised you know that reference. I do. I, was, I told you I was born in 1981. I was born in 19, It was one of the shows, Eric. It was one of the shows and you, you know, you're laughing. So you obviously know the show. It was one of the shows. Oh, yeah. was, it didn't allow us to watch, but we snuck down. I did. I used to sneak down at nine o'clock on Sunday nights and, yeah. and watch that show. Um, yeah. But it was more for um, helping sprinters and marathon runners. And I mm-hmm. emphasize that because what I needed, what I learned really early is, oh, you can be really good at sales if you understand the product. What I mean by that is, is that I, I studied and, and learned as much as I can until this day. I still know, like if, if I have you run a couple of tests in front of me, I know what type of shoes you should be running in long term, mm-hmm. like, like if you're going to be running uh, uh, sprints or running marathons. And so I really dove into the product knowledge, which helped me later on as I went into the banking industry and then I went into car sales and car sales for anybody who ever wants to get into sales I I I always advise advise people like starting car sales why because there's just so many characters meaning the 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 mechanics the parts manager uh, uh other salespeople and then customers you just meet like so many different people from different walks of life and you have yeah. this small window with, with 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 a car buyer meaning like when they come in you got an hour hour and a half to ethically in an ethic in, in an ethical and moral way in a positive way to persuade them to either go with your car or some, or, or one of the competitors or otherwise they're going to go with one of the competitors and so yeah. i was there for 3 years i really got at the top of my game at the age of um I was, I was 22 years old, 23 years old, I'm sorry. And, and then I had this itch. I had this itch that this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, I mean, the guys that work there, I still know them till this day. And a lot of them are still there. But that's what I figured out. I was like, ah, oh, this is one of those places that if you're here, as I looked around, to, to, to some of the guys that were there for 25, 27 years, there's a ceiling. Like, like you're only yeah. going to be able to make so much. Um, and I wanted more. I always wanted more. And then there's the one, the one product that uh, uh, is a higher ticket, which is real estate. Um, mixed in with the fact that growing up, my parents, like my father was a taxi driver his whole life. My mother was a factory worker her whole life. I saw, not that we didn't have, uh, 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 anything, but we also mm-hmm. didn't have everything, right? Yeah, so I yeah. saw them. I saw them pinch pennies, and and it definitely taught me a lot. Um, but they also rented out basement apartments. Like every property they lived in, they rented out their basement apartments. I have two older brothers. Again, um, you know, we got to play all the sports as much as they call. They call that house hacking now. A hundred percent. Now that that's the 2020, that's the kid's term now, Eric. Yeah, you you yeah. and I might not be able to say those words, but yes, they call it house hacking. My parents didn't even know that what they were doing. They were just exactly. renting out the basement apartment yeah. to offset 
the costs. Yeah. Offset. Yeah. I did expenses. that. I did that with my first house. Yeah. And, and, and then I'm sure it helped you, right? Just having yep. having, oh, yeah. having someone else pay your property tax and, and your utilities, right? Yep. Um, but I also, I also, and I don't really even talk about this often, but as you were mentioning what you were saying that you did, I thought about my mom. She treated those tenants like like better than her kids sometimes. I mean, my mom loved us and I say that jokingly, but but I learned that at a young age that everyone in the area would be charging, say, at that time, $600 for a one-bedroom basement apartment. My mom charged $550. She made sure that she told the tenant, you're allowed to wash your clothes because the laundry rooms uh, was upstairs and the washing and the, and the washer and drying machine was upstairs. You can wash it anytime. Just give us a call. We'll let you come upstairs. Wow. She knew that she needed to run it as a business. Be nice to your tenants. And I tell my mm. clients now that most landlords the biggest mistake that they make is that they have this mindset that the tenants are beneath them physically and like literally figuratively speaking right where my mom thought of it the other way around no you're above me i'm gonna take care of you you tell me what you want what did that do they stayed longer less repairs Mm -hmm. needed to be done they took care of the place better they always paid on time and so knowing all that at the age of 23 i made the jump into real estate um and now i've been a real estate uh uh, broker real estate agent uh for the last 16 years in that time frame um i grew a a pretty substantial team of uh, 47 real estate agents and 11 support staff um and i'm proud very very proud to say that that uh, collectively we help a little over 700 buyers, sellers, predominantly investors uh, every single year uh, uh, for the last, I'm going to say about six to seven years out of that 16 years. Um, and uh, uh, I, I'm really living the dream over here in Toronto, Canada. Eric. Mm. I mean, there's days and nights that I got to pinch myself that the team that I have around me, it's like, oh my God, like I got the best uh, 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 air traffic controller, I call him. He's kind of my director of real estate concierge services, Tyler. I got the best VP in the world, Laura. I got the best creative director um, because out of my 11 support staff, seven of them are my media squad members that help me produce anywhere from 20 to 23 pieces of content a day where we're just leading with education. We yeah. come from, and I come from the school of thought that, look, I'm going to, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, I'm going to give away all of the information up yeah. front. I'm not going to ask you to call me. I'm not going to ask you to DM me or message me or email me. You make the, the decision on when you want to do that. But at the end of the day, at, la- at least you as a prospect can say, yeah, that guy, Jazz, that team, REC Canada, did educate me so I can make, my, I can make an informed quality decision myself. Yeah. yeah, and I do the same thing too. I mean, this, this is why I'm doing this podcast. I have another pod, uh, another channel on YouTube as well, where I just educate people, talk about different topics related to, and, and my thing is about financial freedom, achieving financial freedom. Eric, so, do you mind if I flip it on you for a second? One second? Sure. Because I'm very curious, because you know what happens, brother, is that I tell people what I just mentioned, other salespeople, and majority yeah. of them, majority of them get it. They understand it, but they don't do it. Some of them will say, why would you do that? Now, Mm -hmm. I want you for a second to talk to the ones that get it, but don't do it. 
what do you, why do you think that happens? Why, why, they, why they, uh, they, they know that this is something that's important to them and then they decide not to do it and stuff exactly. like that? Exactly. Well, I think it's, it takes a lot of effort, obviously, to do that. And you need to have, I mean, I, I have a team of people that work on, you know, doing the editing, you know, creating the, the thumbnail, publishing it, socializing it and all, all that kind of stuff. It takes, and it's all different skills that are needed for that. I mean, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not good. Well, I could spend a lot of time editing material. I'm not good at doing the thumbnail and all of that. So, I mean, it would look like, uh, <laughs> it wouldn't look very good if I was to do all the different jobs. So I think it's finding the right people to actually, actually do that, that work for you, that are specialized and this is what their talent is. Now, yeah. now by you also, giving away all that information on your mm -hmm. YouTube channel and leading with education. Have you found that it gives you more business because people don't really see you as someone that's trying to sell yeah. to them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's because then they trust, they trust me and they say, well, you know, he knows what he's talking about. He has a lot of experience. I have done it. I'm, sh I'm sharing kind of my journey. And this is why I wrote, uh, I wrote my book as well, Stop Trading Your Time for Money to basically say, hey, this is my journey. This is why I was successful uh, in achieving financial freedom. And, you know, I basically broke it down into the different components and you can do it too. Uh, it's not, it's not uh, rocket science. You don't need to have a lot of money. You just follow these things and then you'll, you'll be able to get it. But yeah, I so that's, that. that's why I do it. And that, that really helps people. And I don't, you know, I don't care if they go somewhere else. I mean, I want to help people uh to achieve financial freedom i think this i think we're heading into a major uh retirement crisis right now and then if uh if people don't take action uh, they're going to end up uh in very bad shape so i agree I that's agree. why i wanted to do that and even the millennials too i mean i'm just not just talking about the people that are retiring soon but even the millennials right now i mean they have a lot of challenges high student debt uh, the inability, especially here in California, they, they just can't buy house, uh, a house to live in. And I'm saying, forget about buying your home, just invest that in real estate, in a real estate rental, out of state, uh, turnkey, continue to do your job and rent your house here in, uh, in California and build a passive income. Right? I love that you said that. I mean, if you go to my Instagram profile, you're going to see me doing at least 10 to 15 videos in the last, I don't know, year, year and a half. Yeah. Just on, just on that topic. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's, there's thousands of videos that I've done, but just on that topic that your principal residence is not an asset and there is mm -hmm. nothing wrong with nothing wrong with renting where you live. As long as in my opinion, you take the rest of your savings, the rest of your capital and go invest into an yeah. income property. Exactly. I actually sold my house. I had a house in uh, in the Bay Area, San Francisco yeah. Bay Area, and I sold yeah. it to invest, to double down on uh, on real estate, to double down on my company, bought a couple of apartment buildings. The cost of of owning my home was the same as the cost of renting mm -hmm. a bigger house with a view that was all renovated. It was beautiful. The house, the house that I rented was much better than the house that I sold. Yes, and yes. it was the same cost of ownership, ownership, the same cost of living in both of these things. Yeah. And but this allowed, 
Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no. I was going to say, yeah. but I, I go ahead. And this allowed me to take the equity on my home, invest it in uh, in apartment buildings, and the revenue, the cash flow from that, paid for all my living expenses. So you have to decide what your dream is. Is your dream to own your home, or is your dream to own your time? I think that's what's important. And I'd rather own my time than own my home. And that's why I hope as long as your viewers and listeners caught that, that you didn't sell your home, go to Vegas and spend it or buy silly stuff with it. What you did, take that money and you invested it into income properties. Also, yeah. even if you took some of that money, look, I always say that obviously as a real estate broker, I'm quite biased in that sense. So I'm not going to hide that fact. I think you yeah. should invest it all into real estate, but there is one better investment than real estate. And I believe that's in the investment in yourself. Right. Yeah. And so like, i.e. If, if, if you even took some of that and invested into your business, to me, that's investing into yourself. Um, yeah. But the, 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 the main part there that I caught anyways was the fact that you took that money and invested it into an income property. Yeah, yeah that's right. Because there's some people that I know that they've seen that I've sold my, my own, my home. And then, uh, so now they, they did the same thing, but then they failed on the second part. They haven't invested the money that they made from that into a passive income vehicle. So they're just now living off the equity. And I just like, okay, so you have enough money for five, 10 years, then what? Like, what are you doing? So anyway, so that's kind of my, my thing there. So Jazz, so you're, uh, so from what I gather, so the set six, 700 or more buyers that you helped and stuff like that, you mentioned they were investors. So are they, were they all investors at the REC Canada or some of them were just like regular uh, retail, retail yes. buyers? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, out of the 47 agents that I have, um, we, we've kind of made divisions and departments in our company here at REC Canada yeah. where, where we help first-time home buyers. We help what we call smart sizers, meaning that somebody who's moving up into maybe a bigger home or somebody who's moving into a smaller home, depending on their yeah. situation. And then we help people just sell their home, right? Yeah. Um, so out of the 700, I'm going to say 400 uh, to 450 are investors. Oh, wow. That's, that's significant. Yeah, and so, this is something, yeah, this is something uh, that I found is that so many uh, real estate agent and real estate broker, they don't, they don't focus on investors. Uh, they focus, I mean, when, when we, uh, when I went into the, the Memphis market and the uh, Cleveland market, I mean, my son was doing, uh, my older son was doing all the calls because I was still full-time uh, as an independent consultant. And so he did all the call. He called like 200 uh, real estate agents and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm an investor. I want to buy multiple properties and stuff like that in, in your area. Can you help me out? And out of like 200, there's like two or three that responded within like uh, 24 hours. You're coming to them with business and it's just like, I, I don't want to deal with investors. I don't want to, you know, and we're, we're buying 10 houses a month uh, in the market. It's just like, you and don't that, want that business. Exactly. And that's when we made the switch about 
I'm going to say 10 years ago, out of the 16 years, yeah, that makes sense. About 10 years ago, we said, we're going to start to focus on, on investment, real estate, helping people create wealth in, in, in real estate long-term. So we yeah. don't talk about, not that there's anything wrong with, like I don't knock anyone else's business model, each yeah. their own. Um, but what we do is the boring stuff. Like I tell people right yeah. away, it's watching paint dry. It's watching uh, uh, grass grow. It's long-term. It's, 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 it's buy, hold, refinance and then repeat we don't even do the full as the kids call it burr uh, yeah. strategy which is the which is the uh, refinancing i apologize the, which is the uh, uh renovation aspect yeah, yeah. we kind of stick yeah. to just the buying and holding and refinancing but what we found is is that there was just so much white space like there was nobody really doing it no nobody's um, doing that nobody's really focusing anyways on it right and and yeah. so um you're bang on eric when you mentioned that investors are multi-transactional in the same year some of them in the same month yeah. it's like whoa this is a no-brainer what also happened for anybody who's in real estate who's a real estate agent right across the world i mean i can tell you that when you work with investors yes they're multi-transactional a b there's no really emotion involved in what they're doing exactly. that might be a good thing or a bad thing like i also would just at the start of my career i only worked with first-time home buyers so yeah. i liked the emotion like i liked it i liked when a husband and wife or our two partners were walking into a house and saying oh my god i love this house like i like that kind of that touchy yeah. stuff right um but Here's the other thing with investors is that you'll also pick up on the peripheral business, meaning you're sitting down with Eric, but then Eric also mentions after you're done talking to him about his investment portfolio that his cousin needs to sell her house. Mm -hmm. And that his his niece needs to buy her first condo. So you pick up that peripheral business as well. I personally believe that investors in the real estate business are top of the funnel because mm -hmm. they also own homes as well where they yeah. live. Yeah. They have friends and inv and investors know more investors. And so, yeah. look, the pie is big enough. It's why I give away all the information for free anyways. That <laughs> we can yeah. all eat. But if you're yeah. a real estate agent listening right now and you're not working with investors, um, it's something that I definitely, definitely advise you to do. Just shoot me a DM or something yeah. on Instagram yeah. and I'll give away whatever I can. Yeah, that's right. I think you do need, as a real estate agent, I think you would need a little bit more knowledge and stuff like that. And you have to be a little bit maybe more business savvy in order to uh, to do that. But it's not, you know, you can you can do it. And I think there's a, it's a big potential, I think, for a real estate agent. And I think you've shown it with uh, your company, REC. And, you know, half of your clients are in, more than half of your clients are, are investors. Yeah, look, so you got to pick up. You got to pick up the terms, right? You got to yeah. know, you know, what is ROI? What's cash on cash? What's cap rate? Um, yeah. Why, why, why are, uh, why should an investor invest in this property over another property? It's That's different right. than when it's different when they're going to live in there because they have they want they're looking at just usually most of the time families and buyers and first time home buyers are looking at the schools in the area and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. When you're investing, this you got to go a little bit deeper. But it's like yeah. anything else. I mean, yeah. we didn't grow up knowing how to drive a car. Yeah. But we all figured it out. We started at 10 and 2, checking the mirrors, put the belts on. And then afterwards, over time, you do all that, plus you're on the phone, eat, shave, put your makeup on, and, and you do it with just your knee. You know what I mean? Yeah. So over time, yeah. it's just like anything else. You yeah, get yeah. to learn it. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the so the, so that's that that's that skill, but it's also you have to know your market too. Like and I think you kind of hinted on that. 
And you have to understand, I mean, the, the, for us, it's that when we're talking to the realtor, we're looking for rental properties. So they have to, we're buying distressed properties. And so we have to know everything. We have to know the, the, the realtor has to walk the property and say, okay, this is the renovation, like a ballpark estimate for the renovation. It's going to be, is it going to be $5,000, $10,000 or $25,000? Or should we walk away? And then also knowing what the rent should be, what the after repair value is going to be, what for the refinancing and stuff like that, and then backtrack it into how much we can buy it for. And so that's kind of where the, I think that's what the, the work that the real estate agent needs to be able to do. And, uh, and I think that that's, this is where I think they're, they're not willing to do that. They're just kind of like, if they do con uh, like just the regular retail sales, they end up in, and say, oh, well, this is the price of the house because this house is sold for the same amount, you know, Oh, 100%. Months ago. So it's 100%. a little bit easier, but you don't have to repeat the repeat uh, the repeat buyers. No. Oh yeah, I, I, I mean, the amount of investors that there's very let, let me rephrase this. There are very few investors in my network that have only done one deal with me. Yeah, it just doesn't happen because because it is the most addictive drug on the planet, which is real estate investing, in my opinion. It yeah, yeah. becomes so addictive because once you get it, once you understand it, and especially after you refinance a property, it's like, mm -hmm. whoa, this is real. I just got dropped with $300,000 and tax-free money. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, how many, like, you know that feeling, Eric. Like, how many yeah, times oh, you, yeah. re you refinance a property, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa somebody else paid that down for me and the values went up and and it really all i had to do is manage some tenants and i got all this tax-free money i don't even I manage can, tenants well i'm just saying a hundred percent right like I, obviously at the scale you do this at now you yeah. wouldn't manage tenants but at the start i mean some people wouldn't and 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 that is by far in my opinion again the best the best type of drug yeah, but I think at the even at the beginning, I mean, we talk about property management. At the, I didn't see the value of property management at the very beginning. Uh, I bought my first apartment building when I was 18 years old in, uh, you probably know that city, Trois-Rivières. Uh, oh, yes. yeah. yeah, so yeah. between Montreal and Quebec. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so that's where I bought my first uh, eight-unit apartment building. And uh, because I had a mentor that told me, uh, you know, th that helped me basically figure out what to do. The realtor that I was working with kept telling me, no, what you're looking for doesn't exist. It's impossible, blah, blah, blah. And eventually he gave me like the four binders of MLS listing and said, you know, just you do, you go at it if you don't, if you don't believe me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went, I went through the four binders and then, um, you know, and I found like two or three properties that worked. I also had no money, so I had to find a buyer that was willing to give me a note on, uh, so basically a vendor take back or a seller seller note in second position. And um, so, yeah, so that's what I was able to to do. No money down. And um, so I bought, bought that property and it was cash flowing at the end of the day. Oh my God, uh, wow. So, so yeah. I mean, a little different time now. Um, but I wish that that's one mistake that I made. And this is why I was bringing this story is that the one mistake that I make is that I, I didn't have property management uh, in place. And that would really have helped me uh, tremendously to focus on Kind of like the next step and kind of work on, on something else well yeah right because it, that that's not your expertise i talk about yeah. staying in your lane a lot i mean there's shelves yeah. behind me right now but yeah. i had my vp laura put all these up 
you know, like you yeah. don't want to, you don't want a hammer in Jazz's hands. Everybody knows that around <laughs> here, right? Like, that's not a good, good things are not going to happen. But what, what I would advise people is that if you enjoy property management and that's something, yeah, yeah, that yeah that's true. Then do it. That's going to make yeah. you happy and do yeah, it. Right? Yeah. But, but mm -hmm. what the, in your situation, and, and and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like you actually enjoyed finding those 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 uh, yeah. diamonds in a rough. Like you got four yeah. binders of MLS listings. You found three, four properties that were. That's an expertise. Yeah. That's a yeah. skill set. You know, and yeah. if you just focused on that part and then go go find some more notes and seller take properties that where you're going to get seller take back and vendor take back mortgages and let somebody else worry about the management. I myself, yeah. um, for, for 60, 70% of my properties, I still manage them because mine are down to, I'm in the business. So it's easier yeah. for me. Um, yeah. But, but when something needs to be fixed, i.e., a burner on a stove or a light fixture. I'm, I'm not going to touch that. I'm going to I'm going to use the good old friends Google yeah, um, yeah. and find who I need to find and get that person out there to fix it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so let's see. Let's talk about your uh, your podcast as well. So you have the Jazz Tacker that Jazz Tacker podcast, and where you talk to uh, other real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and leaders. And um, so tell, tell me a little bit more about the podcast, any kind of like uh, interesting stuff going on in there. Yeah, so uh, three years ago, um, we used to have a, a, a national syndicated, five years ago, I apologize, we had a national syndicated radio show uh, here at uh, AM640, like you'll know um, oh, wow. um, um, those stations right across the country. And it started to get really expensive. In fact, it ended up costing us about two hundred to $250,000 a year to have a show once a week. And oh. you, were, you, were, you were put in a box, right? Like, I mean, you, if I remember properly, I think it was done in like 12 minute segments. Um, there's only so much you can say. Um, if you, you know, by mistake, you threw an F bomb or something, I mean, that's big, big, big trouble. Um, yeah. And so, um, however, we learned the power of media that definitely got our foot in the door with some high profile developers here in the city um, because they knew that we had a radio show, right? I mean, I yeah. mentioned I have a radio yeah, show yeah. to you that I had one. You even said, oh, wow. So oh, yeah, yeah. Get, right, we used to get that a lot. But it, as I mentioned, it got expensive to distribute. And then three years ago, um, I heard a word called podcast. I said, what the heck is this thing? Like, I don't know what, what this is. So I started to Google it and I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. You get to speak into a mic. Something I've been doing for 26 years in the sales and service industry is being on the phone. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I've never been told that I have a, an ugly voice. I've never been told I have the most sexy, sultry voice either, but I was, I was like, okay, I'm kind of maybe in the middle somewhere and you know being of east indian descent eric i might my, my, my mom <laughs> my my mom negotiates over an apple back home and and so i said i found out that it was free i was like this is really good now like i love this i can talk to the world and it's for free it's my show i can talk about whatever i'd like this is a no-brainer for me so i started yeah. talking about i mean for 17 episodes straight, I spoke about the importance of, of certain aspects of a real estate purchase, a sale, or an investment. For example, the importance of sitting down with a mortgage advisor, a home inspector, a lawyer. 
And about episode 16, 17, I kind of got bored of it. And so I sat down with, uh, so I sat down with my co-host at that time, who's also the VP. And now she has her own podcast and her own show. Um, but I was like, this is, I, I don't know if I can do this forever. Like, yeah, I might be able to do another 50 of, the, of these, but it's, I, I'm not getting to really speak about other passions. There's more to jazz than just real estate. And as we started to throw stuff on the wall, it came quite apparent that I love, I love talking to entrepreneurs and, and, and also documenting my journey. I also am, am, am very self-taught, i.e. Um, I didn't, I don't have a formal education. I barely passed high school, but one thing that I did do a lot of and do till this day is, is put on audiobooks, go to workshops, go to seminars. I'm a, I'm a, 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 a junkie for a lack of a better word yeah. in that sense, the Anthony Robbins, the Jack Canfields of the world. And so um, I also wanted to speak to those guys and gals and, and I wanted to be, I wanted to allow listeners and viewers to kind of be a fly on the wall, like they mm. are right now with the conversation that you and I are having. And, yep. and then over time, um, I'm, I, I, I started to speak about entrepreneurship, tips and strategies for leaders, um, as well as for anybody who's thinking about wanting more information on buying, selling, and investing. I'm proud to say uh, every single week for the last three years, once a week on Wednesdays, I come up with an episode. I'm at 161 episodes as of today. Um, and so I've been very, very obviously very consistent with it. Um, but I've been, it, it, it has by far been the most exhilarating and and fulfilling project I've ever take on, taken on in my life because like, check this out, I'm speaking to Eric and Callie right now. Like, yeah, my life has taken me all over. My, th no, th yeah, this journey right. has taken me all over the world. Yeah. And and in that same time, I got to, got to also sit down with some amazing entrepreneurs, guys and mm -hmm. gals that own multi, multi, billion dollar companies I've, I've sat down and learned from and spent a lot of time with Gary V, for example, who's a massive, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. a massive uh, reason why I got started with this. I spent uh, a full day with him and his team. Okay. Um, just Yeah, because he was a big thing. He had a big uh, number of podcasts and stuff like that about real specific to real estate agents about getting them on social media, getting so, them on Facebook so, and stuff so, like that. So. so what happened is, is that I heard that around yeah. in, in, in like those messages. Um, and I just followed up, followed up, took a year yeah. and a half to get him on the podcast. I flew to New York, went to his office, taped everything. And then his, him and his team was very, very nice. Um, mm -hmm. Let me stay, excuse me, in their office for the full day, myself, my business partner, uh, my VP and my videographer. And uh, uh, they told me everything that they do, how they do it, why they do it, um, as much oh, as really? in, in a day. Yeah. So, um, and then I recorded a really cool podcast with the guy. And then I've sat down with okay. the, Grant, the Grant Cardones of the world. I've sat down yeah. with Patrick Bet David, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Tracy Tudor, who's a, a big uh, million dollar listing real estate agent in LA. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Josh Altman, that's in your world as well over there in LA. Um, and just, just some like really, really cool people. But I got to tell you, 161 episodes, some massive names, but yet till this day, my most listened to episodes are with 
just regular Mary Janes and Joes. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because it took me a little while to get it and understand it. My listeners, my viewers, and yours are probably very similar. They can't relate to a Grant Cardone. Exactly. Or exactly. These guys yeah. own these guys own you know three four hundred million dollar companies, but they can relate to Sue Murphy, who bought yeah. who went from zero to eleven properties yeah. in two years. They can relate to her. She's sixty two yeah. years old. Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? They can relate to they can relate to an uh, uh, Anthony Tabar. Who's mm -hmm. a, a real estate agent and had to had to uh, uh, you know sell muffins when he got started as a part time gig just to keep himself going in the business. They can yeah. relate to a Sahar who was an international student. English wasn't her first language, and now she's one of the top real estate agents right across the city of Toronto. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that that was interesting for me to go through as well. Yeah. Um, but podcasting, um, it's funny. Sometimes I even like I have to pinch myself again and say, wow, I am a podcaster. Like I've done 161 episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's something to be really, really proud of. Um, uh, and, and I look over to my media squad and I'm so proud of them because they stuck through the vision, um, mm -hmm. even when none of it made sense. Like it just didn't yeah. even make sense. What are we doing? And so, yeah, that's my journey for the podcast. And, and I appreciate you taking me down that path. It's not something that I spoke of. I, I I've been speaking about recently because nobody's asked. <laughs> yeah, no. And that, that's true. I think, uh, I think it makes sense. A lot of people, yeah, you kind of listen to, uh, you know, Warren Buffett and stuff like that. If you're a stock market uh, investor, and then you just kind of look at that and say, oh yeah, this is this is great, but how do I be a Warren Buffett? You know, like how do I become like a Grant Cardone if I'm working full time and I'm doing this and this? How can I be, you know, uh, a lot of these other individuals? And uh, yeah, people don't relate to that. But yeah, if you talk to, uh, and that's why I like to talk about uh, to just normal investors, people that have done. Uh, you know, they've done amazing thing. They've done uh, some, uh, and it's clear to their mind as well that when they went from zero to to four properties, that they it's clear in their mind what uh, what obstacle they had to go over or break through in order to get to where they are. As opposed to Grant Cardone, is says, oh yeah, well, you know, I don't want to say anything about Grant, but. <laughs> He, ha he has he has a different he has a different approach it is he's trying to help people as well and uh, i respect him but it's you can't really relate to him and uh, in, in that same in that same way um so tell so about these uh, these investors uh these regular investors so what are some of the roadblocks that you saw like maybe two or three major roadblocks that that you saw white people they had to break through in order to get there that some of the some of the listeners would be uh you know li listening to this podcast and say well you know i'm i'm stuck like i can't i bought this one property and then i'm kind of like i, I want to buy another one but i can't find my second property or i don't have the whatever yeah i think it's a couple of things that come to my mind when you say yeah. that um number one um is is getting stuck in paralysis by analysis right mm -hmm. um where 
a lot of investors will, will or, or wannabe investors say that, okay, um, let me go back and run the numbers uh, yeah. and make sure that this is something that I actually want to do. But in that time frame and in that time period, and I'm sure this has happened to you in earlier on in your career, and it definitely happened to me personally. Um, yeah. So I understand it, right? Um, yeah which is, well, let me go run the numbers. And then by the time they run the numbers, the deal is gone. Yeah. what I've come yeah. to realize that the best strategy is tie up the property as fast yeah. as possible. Exactly. Because yeah. in real estate, it's normal to have contingencies. To, yeah. It's normal to, to, to have a time period where you can do that due diligence. So nobody's, I'm not here to tell anybody go crazy and go nuts and just buy properties firm without any type of conditions sight yeah. unseen. I'm not saying yeah. that I'm saying tie up the property and then do your due diligence. Yes, yeah, exactly. You want your lawyer to see it. Great. You want your, 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 your husband's sister's cousin to see it. Great. Make it conditional upon that. If the seller yeah. agrees is a different story, but at least you can make it conditional upon the solicitors and, and or the lawyer's approval. And so that is by far um, the number one mistake I see people make. And I think if that's yeah. one, then one a would be, would be being distracted by the shiny objects syndrome. Yeah. Meaning that I I wanna invest into they call, you know, I'll get on a call with people and say, Jazz, I wanna invest into multiplexes, new builds, commercial plazas, as well as uh, um, uh, retail offices. And I'll do that in, in a, a hundred kilometer radius. Yeah. Hard to help you. You're all over yeah. the map here. Exactly. Fin financing is different. And so what I would advise people is educate yourself on all the strategies. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a buffet. Like you go into a buffet line, try a little bit of everything, meaning educate yourself on everything. And then decide quickly on which strategy makes sense for mm -hmm. you. Because for me, for example, I know all the strategies. I've educated myself on the strategies. I help my clients with all the strategies. But personally, I like one strategy, and that is investing into new build condos. It's different. It's not, it doesn't give you the high cash flow that people are looking for necessarily. Mm -hmm. It doesn't give you uh, um, uh, uh, the ability to do some rentals and flip it. It's not that, it's boring. It's 10, 15 years out, yeah. right? And so yeah. 20 years out sometimes. And so that's what I like. But yeah. to Eric, and to Eric, that might not make sense. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. He's not right. He's not wrong. I'm not right. I'm not wrong. However, the one, the second that I've decided that that's going to be one of my my strategies, when someone brings me, you know, my business partner that we do a lot of investments together, he brought me a cottage deal three weeks mm -hmm. ago. Okay. Yep. And it's a good deal. I mean, I think it's a good deal. Um, he's going to invest into it, but I told him no. And he's like, you yep. sure, buddy? Like, let's do this together. I said, no, I don't want it. I'm not in the cottage investment business or yeah. that's not my strategy that I actually want to do. And so as I reminded him and I said that it kind of made sense. Also what it's done is when I buy some of these new builds, it gives me the ability to do what's called an assignment. I can flip the paper before it gets built for yeah. a massive profit. Like on average, I buy something today, it's going to be built in three years. The price has gone up by about $130,000, $150,000. Call it one hundred and fifty, just for easy math. I can flip it and make a profit of $120,000. You got to leave some money on the table for the new investor. But yeah. when, I get, when I get that offer, it rem I'm reminded of my strategy. My strategy yeah. is buy and hold. Yeah. 
So then mm-hmm. I don't get wishy-washy, right? Yeah. And so I don't flip it. Why? Because I want to hold on to it and pull out the and, and pull out the equity at a later date. And so yeah. that is probably the one A that I hear the most from people, mm-hmm. which is which is uh, uh, or I see and I notice from people, which is just not get not having a clear path on what they actually want to do yeah, in terms exactly. of the investment strategy. And then and then and then you know the the one that has been going on for a hundred years from investors or wannabe investors again is that I don't have the money. And I just yeah. think that that they're allowing allowing a, a, a made up obstacle to stop them because not having enough money is not a good enough reason. Because yeah. if you need one hundred and fifty thousand dollars down as a as a down payment and you have zero, that doesn't mean that you can't invest. You just got to find yeah. people that you yeah, can invest exactly. with. And, I mean, if you missed what Eric said at the earlier part of this uh, podcast, just go back and rewind because he spoke about doing with no money down. And can you always do it with no money down? No. If you're bringing $50,000 to the table, well, now you only need another $100,000. That's two people with $50,000, right? That's 10 people. That's 10 people with $10,000, right? That's one person with hundred. Like there's a lot of ways to skin the cat, right? So allowing yourself to be stopped because you don't have money is just not a good enough reason. Yeah, exactly. And so I I totally agree. Tying up the property. I think, I think this is important. I mean, as soon as you find the, the, the property that you are interested in and then, you know, you run, you run, you want to run the numbers and stuff like that. Well, tie the property up front. Put a da- uh, earnest money deposit, and then yeah, you do your due diligence. You look at that. There's other unknown in there that you haven't even looked at, uh, and then decide what you want to do with the property. And I think that's that's also an easier way for people to get used to the motion, get used to the transaction. So you f- you do your purchase and sales agreement, you put your EMD. And then, okay, you back out, you get your money back. I said, okay, that's not bad. I said, I learned something here. And then next one, and then this one, you do your, your due diligence and say, yeah, I want to close on that one. And then that's when, and I, I still remember the first couple of properties that, uh, that I bought, and it was not even a lot of money, but I was like, okay, um, you know, I said, okay, well, this is something very, uh, I, you know, I'm going to sign this up. I'm going to tie the property up and blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, I'm going to lose like a thousand dollars if that doesn't, if that doesn't work out. And that's like, oh, it's only a thousand dollars. I've paid more than that in some education thing. So, but that's kind of how it was going. And then I also did like a commercial deal where we, it was like a $5 million uh, property. Uh, and uh, actually, no, we bought, I think we put, we put the purchase, uh, a letter of intent for, I think it was, $12 million. That's right. And then $12 million. And then we had to put like significant amount of down payment and all of that. But I had already done a lot of little, little transactions. So that was just kind of like once it was the same thing, but just with a little bit more money as EMD. And, um, but, you know, but I tied up the property for, you know, a year for me to do the due diligence and all of that. And then we eventually backed out of the deal. Uh, but, and I got my money back. But that's the kind of thing that uh, people need to realize, especially when you go into the bigger deal, you need more time for due diligence. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's very important for you to, to tie the deal. About the shiny object too, that's what happens. People run the number, they go back, run the numbers and say, oh yeah, but 
but there's also this other strategy, this other strategy and all of that. They want to pick the one that has the best number. And for me, what, the, what I recommend people to, to do is, as you said, kind of like le learn a little bit about uh, uh, all the different strategies. And that's what I talk about in my, in my book as well. And I created the strategy quadrant, which basically tells you what the risk and the effort needed to get some of these strategies off the ground, off the ground and working mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you're working full time, you don't have that much time uh, to, uh, to invest in, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some kind of real estate investment that requires a lot of your effort, a lot of time and management and all of that. So they're out for you. So you, you have to don't, don't even think about the, doing these, these uh, strategies until you're, you're financially free. I agree. And then um, if you don't have a lot of money, that also kind of narrows it down also where you, you just, you can't go into these big, big, big buildings that, uh, that require a lot of money or these strategies that require a lot of uh, up, like even a bird strategy if you have to put like uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to renovate a property and buy it and before you refinance it so so that's these are the kind of things that uh, that i recommend it's really to look at your resources and look at your goals and all these things need to be in alignment so you have to have if your goal is to achieve financial freedom and generate passive income these are the strategies the, one of the strategies that i want to use but these are the resources that I have. And then all of that need to be uh, tied up in order to, uh, for it to be effective and to actually help you get to your goal. And then, yeah, the money, money, is exactly. People are always, just be creative about the money. This is something that I've, we've learned in, uh, in real estate investing is that there's so many ways to bring money to the table. Just figure it out. Talk to people that have money always be raising money you know there's always mm -hmm. uh is that the abc always be closing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. this should be always a all abrm always be raising money <laughs> For sure. uh, there was one investor that uh, i quote all the time i don't forget his name but um he used to say that uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter how much money you have you're always short a couple of millions <laughs> and um, i like that like he was because he was doing these he had a lot of money he was doing these massive projects like you know 50 million dollars 100 million dollar project 200 million dollar project and but he was always raising money like he had he had money obviously but you know he was all any that's what he that's what he was saying is that you're always short so always be raising money 100 um, so well, Jazz, it was a pleasure talking to you. Anything else you want to uh, mention uh, before we wrap it up? Uh, well, uh, first, again, um, I just want to thank you for having me. I uh, hope I brought some value to the conversation today. Mm -hmm. um, oh, thank and, you. And, and, and if people kind of want to dive a little bit more into my world, really the best place, the one-stop shop, is to go to my site, uh, jazztacar.ca, flirt around there. Uh, again, yep. it's jazztacar.ca, flirt around, see what you might like. Every I, I got nothing to sell anyone unless you're thinking about investing into Toronto real estate. <laughs> There's not yep. much. My cup my cup is overflowing now and it's my time to give back. And that's kind of the, yep. the stage in my life where I'm at right now. Yeah, and I think you have, obviously we're going to have, uh, is your Jazz Tacker uh, podcast, is that is there a link in there on your uh, on your website as well? You can just, you can search Jazz Tacker podcast on any platform, all podcast okay. platforms, as well as um, on YouTube as well. You'll see the good looking Indian guy's picture on it. 
Okay. And you have a YouTube live show also on Wednesdays called yeah, Ask I Jazz? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it happens every uh, Wednesday at noon. At I noon? Do not, yeah. At noon, noon Toronto time. Noon Eastern. I was just about to say yeah. noon Eastern. <laughs> um, so you guys are just getting up at that. Oh, well, you know, you're getting to work at that time anyways. And so yeah. um, it's, it's a platform that I do uh, every Wednesday uh, for about uh, 30, 40 minutes where I just take live questions about real estate um, investing, as well as if you're uh, an entrepreneur or a business owner. Um, I've been lucky enough to be mentored by some amazing people, but I've also been through a lot myself that I just want to share with people now. Okay, very good. Well, thank you, Jazz. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for sharing your experience with our listener. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes. Thank you.